Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 62 of the Summit for Wellness podcast. I'm your host, Brian Carroll, and today we have a treat for you. Our guest, Bob Soulier, is a Wim Hof Method instructor, and he is here to teach us how to improve our breathing capabilities so that we are able to handle different stressful situations, uh, how to relax into a deeper state of relaxation so that we can digest food and allow our bodies to repair themselves. And we also talk about how working on your breath can help to oxygenate your body so that you can remove free radicals and other toxins out of your system. So there's a lot packed into this episode. And then at the very end, he takes us through one round of a breathing technique that is taught in the Wim Hof method. So let's dive right into my conversation with Bob Soulier. Bob Soulier is a certified Wim Hof method instructor, a soon-to-be oxygen advantage instructor, a crossfitter, and a planking savant. He thrives on connecting people to their power, to resources, and to each other. He doesn't just believe that you have more to you, he knows it. Thanks, Bob, for coming on to the show. Oh, thanks, Brian. It's great to be on here. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, that's an, that's a, I, I love the intro. Uh, I was just giggling for a moment there at the planking savant part about myself. Uh, just this morning, I was, uh, I'm, I'm aiming toward a 45-minute uh, plank this year. And uh, I was uh, just thinking about, you know, being that savant. There's not much that I'm actually fantastically good at, but that's one thing that for some reason I'm able to do. So we get more into that later, but uh, yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for being here. I'm curious, what do you do when you're in a plank for that long? Because I'm pretty sure I would get pretty bored. It's been a bit a variety of things. Uh, the Moth Radio Show has actually been my friend recently. Uh, just long stories, but I have this. Uh, I have a playlist with like uh, Cashmere and uh, Barracuda and all of Jethro Tull's. Uh, like work on there just to keep me for two hours worth of music. Um, So I just play lots of anything that goes on and on that I know. And um, yeah, it keeps, it keeps my head. Otherwise, if you're, if you're just looking at the floor, you'll go nuts. You have to have a way of of dissociating. So um, yeah, that's what you do. You find a way. Yeah. I would probably end up listening to a lot of podcasts in that time. 45 yes. minutes is a very, very long time. It is. It plays with your head. And it's, oh, it's, more, sure. it's, it's more of a discipline than, a, you know, it, it, the hard part is in your head, not the physical part. And yeah, it's it. But anyway, sorry about that. It was going off. Well, track I, I'm sure your capabilities to be able to do that comes from the Wim Hof method and um, the methods behind all of that. So before we get too deep into what the Wim Hof method is, can you talk about your background a little bit and what got you interested in the Wim Hof method? Yeah, absolutely. So um, at, my, my mantra for myself is that um, my superpower is that I have no superpower and I find that to be really useful. So I am 
really probably the most ordinary athlete you'll ever meet. Um, I was a junior varsity rower, for example. I never quite made varsity. Um, I am a CrossFitter, but I can do like very few RX workouts. I'm um, anything overhead, just forget it. I'm a dad of two teenagers. Uh, I live in a suburban uh, outpost around Washington, D.C. and Alexandria and in a neighborhood with lots of people that drive and uh, go to their, you know, on the, on their phones and tablets a lot with kids and lots of demands. So I live right down the middle of how a lot of people who are audiences for these podcasts live. And for me, um, the, my way into all of this was living that life and seeing with my kids, my family, my wife, lots of autoimmune issues, uh, lots of depression. And I'm not specifically saying about them, but, uh, you know, food allergies, um, inflammatory issues and not knowing how to help. And I needed a way in, I needed a way to be able to help people. And so last year at about this time, I was on a mountain in Colorado with Wim and the other trainers, uh, the future trainers going through our last, uh, training before we got certified. And there's a ceremony at the end, a fire ceremony around uh, outdoors or in this ring. And when it was my turn to speak, when I got the, the speaking stick, I just, I mean, you know, tears coming down my eyes, but I'm saying, um, I can, f I finally know how to help. I finally know how to help. And I, I, I saw that I had a way of reaching people and showing them what was their power that would allow them to break out of these, these ruts that we're in, but in, in an empowering way that doesn't put them beholden to a service that costs a lot of money, a pill, um, you know, uh, other large institutions that have lots of influence on, on their decisions. I, I was, I wanted to put the power back in their hands. So to me, that was the path. And, uh, it's, it's, been, uh, I've just been so thankful that I found it. It took me quite a while and a lot of experience to realize that that was the direction I needed to go. Uh, but every message I get back from the work I do is that that's the right direction. So yeah, that's how I began really. And then uh, can you talk a little bit about the Wim Hof method? Where was it uh, developed from? Yeah, absolutely. So it uh, comes from Wim Hof. So Wim is a Dutch uh, daredevil, uh, world record holder, Guinness world record holder. I don't even know how many at this point, but it's in the 20s for mostly for exposure to ice, to cold temperatures, uh, climbing Everest uh, without um, oxygen up you know, to the death zone in just shorts and uh, boots, uh, running a marathon like un unassisted in the desert with... Uh, with no, no support, um, with swimming under the ice, meters and meters and meters, uh, the furthest distance, longest time in contact, direct contact with ice, which is almost like two hours. Um, it's an amazing uh, accomplishment. So he's got lots of these records, but uh, he was doing all these things really, you know, as you get to know him and as his story goes, to bring attention to the abilities that he had discovered to control his own body's responses. And that's what he really wanted people to see. So uh, he got the publicity and used that 
to then get the attention of the science world. And the science world finally did pay attention and they performed some experiments. Um, they, he was, uh, his most famous one is being injected with an endotoxin and having no, which, which should give you a fever, which should give you um, malaise and misery for hours and hours. And he had no response. He had no uh, immune response to it. He was controlling his response with his breath. Um, so he also did that. He replicated that with a group of, of uh, like a controlled experiment with 12 subjects and 12 controls who um, had the same response. It showed the same response and those were turned into science studies. So his, I think I would say that Wim, he's a yogi, he's a master yogi. He's uh, someone who's studied esoteric disciplines probably most of his life. He's an autodidact. He just, you know, school was never for him. He was just like, I'm gonna go out and learn it. And he learned it by doing it. And he learned by feeling. He just followed his feelings. And if you're around him, you pick up on it really quickly. He's, uh, he, he, he comes into a room and the room lights up and he's got that kind of a presence. Um, he's got an energy that is just, it's fantastic, but he's a humble human being, which is what I love about his work. And he'll say, I'm not a guru. I am not your guru. And that's, you know, to me, very important because, uh, as you know, I'm sure we've all experienced, there are lots of people that put themselves up on pedestals and then they become unreachable. He's uh, very accessible. So yeah, that's, that's, that's whim. And so he brought that forward. And um, I think in 2014, he launched a um, set of videos and an online course. And then, and that's kind of, that's how I found him actually was through his, uh, his online stuff. And that you can then take that once you do the, the online course, there's a progression from there, which I can explain in a moment. But um, currently, he's, you know, he has a, tra a set of trainees or trainers uh, in the United States, probably about, I think there were 65 of us last year, and there might be another 50 that have been added this year. So there's a small group of trainers in the, in the States. And then he has a several hundred around the world, mostly in Europe. Um, so he's building out a, a group that can continue to bring his work out to other people. So it sounds like he does a lot of work with, uh, you know, like cold, um, in cold places or cold therapy type of situations. But it sounds like his capabilities to be able to handle those extreme temperatures comes from his breath work. Is that correct? Right. So there are, you know, if you uh, look at, there's a, sort of a logo that goes with uh, the Wim Hof method, which shows a set of lungs a snowflake and, and a, um, a brain. So breathing, cold exposure, exp exposure, cold exposure and mindset. Um, and those are the three pillars. So the, they go together. And so the ability to manage in the cold is set up through your breathing. And you, if the breathing makes it possible for you to tolerate more cold and to stay calm. And the mindset piece, um, Really, it truly changes the blood flow in your brain. Studies show this. You can see, you know, scans that show the brain, the blood changing um, when people are meditating after ten minutes or so, and um, that that allows you to stay with the situation and not, well, basically, your monkey mind shuts off, and you are able to focus and just be, stay present with 
where you are in the ice and it calms your body down. So those three pieces together allow you to, uh, I think the, the progression here really is meeting yourself, the, the practice of the breath work, the cold, the mindset puts you in a situation where you encounter your own limits in a way that the, the stimulus won't change. The, the ice doesn't change. It won't get warmer for you. So you have to do something. You have to adjust. And I think the brilliance of Wim's work is that it's physiological and not just so-called mental, which to me, honestly, it's all the same, but that's not how we've all been conditioned <laughs> growing up. We think there's a brain-body dichotomy. There really isn't, but, and this proves it, but you don't just try to think your way out of this. You feel your way out of it and into it. And once you're in it, you can then relax. And you realize, oh my God, I'm okay. I'm not going to die. And I did it. I controlled myself. And so you, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's exposing people to something that we used to be very used to having exposure to. But because of the way we live now, we are very comfortable in our interior, heated, cooled worlds. And we don't expose ourselves to extremes as much, especially not extreme cold. This demonstrates to people that our bodies are built for that, <clears throat> excuse me, and we can mine the ability. We can bring it back and um, through training. So the, you know, there's no force involved. You don't want to freak yourself out. You just want to um, expose yourself in a controlled way to something that's difficult and increase the stimulus over time. So it's, you know, it's, it's hormetic um, stress. It's built, it's, it's stress that has a benefit, short-term difficulty, long-term benefit. Uh, so um, for me, it's been, it's been brilliant. It's just, uh, you know, I, in the years, in the two years I've been doing it, um, and I have Renaud's, um, which means that my, if you look at my hands two years ago, when I was out in the cold, they were pretty much white. The, the um, circulation to my hands would just you know, go away. I thought that was normal actually for quite a while. Turn, you know, it isn't, I mean, it's a syndrome, but it isn't the healthiest thing in the world. Through my training, I have been able to now, I take my hands out of an ice bath or an ice bucket and they're pink. And that was a huge breakthrough for me. I, don't, I didn't actually mark the day when that changed. It, I'm sure it was gradual. But I, you know, about six months ago, I noticed it and I thought, now that's significant. So my body has adjusted and, and anyone's can. So in the Wim Hof method, there's these uh, three layers, right? Yeah. You have the breathing, you have the cold exposure and the mindset. So let's focus a little bit on the breathing aspect here. Mm -hmm. And um, you, you mentioned that Wim Hof was a yoga master. Yeah. So is his breathing techniques much different than uh, pranayama, which mm. is generally practiced in yoga? Or is there uh, different variations from pranayama? Right. Well, great question. So first, yeah, pranayama encompasses a lot. It's, it's, um, there are many, many types of breathing involved. It's really more the intention of the breathing um, in pranayama. So the breathing that... Wim has adopted has come out of really the Tumo um, tradition, which is uh, Tibetan Nepalese monks, I believe. And I, I forgive me to anyone listening if I get this completely, you know, not exactly correct, but 
um, it's a tradition that uh, if you're familiar with it, you can look up the videos of people uh, sitting you know, outside melting snow around them with their body heat, which they do through, you know, their breath work and also from building up the ability to um, th for thermogenesis where they can produce heat through their bodies, through the brown fat activation. And um, so that's the tradition, but my using your breath, using the power of your breath to affect your, your mind is certainly pranayama. There's no question. I mean, the, this, this is all based on ancient traditions and observations like, you know, Qigong, who, you know, where the monks just, or the observers just observed animals in nature and said, okay, well, you know, how is this working? Why is this working? And um, so it's, there's no doubt this comes from those traditions. And I think the, you know, what Wynn did actually, and I think it's in one of the books um, about him, I forget which one it was, but uh, it might've been Scott Carney's book. He, uh, maybe it wasn't, but he, he wrote a, a, a treatise about how to accomplish what we're doing here. And then he basically shelved it because he said, this will take 20 years for someone to implement. We don't have time to put ourselves outside the guru's cave on the mountainside and wait for him to give us a, a Kriya, right? To say, okay, here, go do this. And this will teach you something. We don't, you know, we don't live that way. We needed a modern way of doing this. And, you know, as Wim has said, traditions are meant to keep us safe. Traditions are meant, rituals are meant to keep us safe. And if the, if, the if the circumstances change, if your life changes, the traditions and the, and the rituals need to change with it. We don't live the way people lived 3,000 years ago. So we need to, you know, we live a, a faster, more connected life. So the methods need to uh, adopt or adapt. Sorry, man. Adopt, adapt. I do that one all the time. Um, and change to be in line with how we live. So he said, you know, I can teach this to someone in a week. And yes, you can. You can teach it in a day. And you can, um, you know, a person can certainly take on the practice after a week's worth of, you know, repetition. They, you, you pretty much have the basics. So it has become something much more accessible. So that, and that's, a, that's a gift. I think to everybody. So um, yeah, he, he, but it's best definitely based in the, uh, you know, pranayama tradition and the breath work itself is um, it's, it's super ventilation. We uh, tend to contrast it with hyperventilation because that sounds like you're out of control. This is a controlled fast breathing. And um, you know, I mean, it sounds, it sounds like, <sighs> in through the nose, out through the mouth. You can breathe in through your mouth if you want to, too, but we typically in through the nose, out through the mouth. Um, it's a deep breath each way. It's fully in and you let it out. So um, the fully in part is, you know, with some power, the let it out is not forceful. It's just releasing. It's like a balloon letting go. So, um, and that's, that's the rhythm. We do that 30 or so times. And then on the, on the last exhale, you hold and you hold until you feel an urge to inhale. And when you do, you breathe, you breathe in, hold that for about 15 seconds. And that's one round. The effect is, is amazing, especially, I mean, I just actually did a whole session yesterday um, and, you know, did a, did a workshop 
and I actually participated in some parts of it. It's, it's wonderful. The feeling is, is always like going back to an old friend. Um, but the first time for most people is honestly, it's pretty mind blowing. Um, they often are just, you know, <laughs> in sort of a buzzy, uh, calm yet buzzy state. And, um, yeah, it's, it's something most people haven't felt if you haven't done it before. So, uh, that's, that's the breath practice. Um, there are extensions to that, Brian, there are, um, there's a power breathing piece to this too, that is much more advanced though. So we don't, you know, get into those pieces until somebody's gone very, very far into the basics. But, um, breath can be leveraged for, it, it is basically your control knob for your, for your nervous system. And this practice puts you in touch with that control knob. It allows you to realize what you can and can't, you know, what, what, what you can control. And there's a whole lot more that you can control than um, we are accustomed to thinking. So that's the true gift of, of this practice. And speaking of the calm and buzzy state, we know we know that breath work can uh, influence the nervous system in a positive way. So, can you talk about how uh, breath work can stimulate the vagal nerve oh, yeah. and uh, or calm it, and talk about um, how it helps with the nervous system to switch it from um, sympathetic to a parasympathetic state? Yeah, I love it. The vagus nerve is like my favorite topic in the world, um, and my hat's just uh, off to Stephen Porges for the work he did on the polyvagal theory. Um, when I, I read and listened to a number of his pieces and the, the whole notion that your nervous system is, you know, something you should, you should be grateful for how it responds regardless of what it did and that it's designed to keep you safe, but it has part different pieces is a, is a brilliant insight. Um, so when you exhale, it's calming. It, stimulates the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve, I'm sure a lot of your audience has heard this. Um, it's called the vagus nerve. It comes from the same root, uh, same root as the word vagrant or vagabond because it travels and it goes to all the organs. Um, and its job is to send that, that calming response to, the, to your viscera. And so the exhale is the stimulus for that. There are other stimuli like humming, hugging people, you know, looking at babies and so on. But the, the most direct stimulus for your vagus nerve is your breath. And the exhale is the stimulus to be calm. And that activates what they call the parasympathetic, which is the calming side of your nervous system. And then the inhale is your, your sympathetic response. It, 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 or I should say it excites the sympathetic response. And um, so, yes, your, your vagus nerve, if you have poor vagal tone it means that your vagus nerve isn't doing its job and that means basically you are staying in a state of upness <laughs> you're, you're in that sympathetic vigilant mode consistently and you're on alert it's not a healthy place to live it's okay for a short time but not to stay there so this practice again stimulates the vagus nerve gives it a signal to go calm you down. Those, those uh, exhales calm everything down. At the same time, what's interesting about our breath work is that you're also setting off alarms. You, the breath work drops your oxygen level pretty low. 
and that kicks off an adrenaline response in your body. So it basically says, oh my God, you're going to die. There's no oxygen. So your hormones, which is not, you know, this is moving off to the side a little bit here, but your hormones basically go offline and just adrenaline goes online. And then as you come back through your recovery from the breath work, all those hormonal systems come back online. Um, and so all your, you know, re- your digestion and um, all your other signals that your body sends um, come back. But in, for a moment there, you're just on a reset. You're resetting everything. So there's a calming and there's a reset at the same time, which is, I think, what ex- you know, to some extent explains the buzzy yet calm sense that people have at the end of one of these rounds. Um, so, yeah, your breath is, you know, if you start breathing short breaths right now, just, you know, <laughs> take your, you know, shoulders and make them go up and down and just breathe through your chest really short, you're going to get yourself into a state of higher vigilance. Um, you, you know, the, the more that you, uh, the faster you breathe, the, the, the more shallow that you breathe, the more uh, frenetically you breathe. And of course, if it's irregular, if it's not smooth, the more you set off other alarms in your body. So the calmer that you breathe, and especially the exhale, um, the more you establish a baseline, a calm baseline for your vagus nerve, and it learns. So over time, you can train this. And that's your heart heart rate variability. I know you're very familiar with that. Stephen Porges was also the person who identified that. In fact, he identified that before he identified his polyvagal theory. And um, he identified it through his work with the, you know, premature babies. So he realized that, you know, that you're, um, the, the, this very same nerve that can uh, calm you down can also kill you, which is why he, that's what led him into the polyvagal theory. But also that, uh, the heart rate varies with the exhale and the inhale. And the more it varies, basically the more resilient you are, the more you can respond to your world. So this work gives the calming signal uh, for sure and trains your, trains your vagus nerve to pay more attention and be more responsive. So it gives you a, it's a, it's a tool. It gives you a tool to work with. Yeah. And to top, uh, talk a little deeper about the vagus nerve because it interacts with your your nervous system and you have a sympathetic, which is your stimulated state, and your parasympathetic, which is your more calm and relaxed state. That also influences the way that you digest food. And here mm, in yes. the States, most people are stressed out. They're eating on the go. They're running around. They have a million things on their plate, which keeps mm-hmm. them in this sympathetic or agitated state which means that their body is not going to be digesting food properly. So it's no wonder we have so many, so many people with digestive issues in this country. And so so um, like in my, in my practice, when people come in, so many people have issues getting into that parasympathetic state. So breath work, humming, like you talked about, and there's other Mm -hmm. methods that you can do as well can help the body to, uh, fall into that parasympathetic state so that they're able to break down food. They're able to get the nutrients from their food. They're able to relax their body. They're able to de-stress a little bit. So there's so many benefits to getting back into that parasympathetic state. And if we look at 
you know, natural history, how our bodies are supposed to respond, we didn't have as much stress back in right. the, you know, the old days. Every yeah. now and then you might get chased by a cougar or a bear or something. And that's when you want to be in that sympathetic state where everything is, you know, shuttled out to your extremities and focus on survival. Absolutely. Yes. But then it's so true. Yeah. And then the rest of the day, you're in that parasympathetic state. You're breaking bread with friends and family. And, you know, it, so we have to get our bodies back to being able to relax and get back into that state of being able to, you know, breathe and yeah. uh, be able to digest food. And yeah. this might not be in uh, your scope of practice, but. Uh, if you do know anything about this, feel free to touch on it. Mm. We have so many people with uh, gut issues, inflammation in the gut, inflammation in the intestinal area, which all that inflammation causes the diaphragm to not be able to move um, the way that it's supposed to in order to get uh, full breath. So uh, can you talk a little bit about how, um, you know, just working on breath to help be able to digest food and reduce inflammation in the body can um, help to also then improve people's capabilities to breathe more. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's a great point. And I will say the other piece I wanted to add to that too is the, the role of carbon dioxide. So in my bio on in the intro there, um, I, you noted that I'm also uh, a future oxygen advantage trainer. I, I, um, this it's the the uh, Patrick McCune work, and um, you know the insight comes actually out of the Buteco tradition. But uh, the the presence of carbon dioxide, your, your ability to tolerate that in your body, is a huge influence on your parasympathetic. It's it's a massive um, calming effect. The, so the the more carbon dioxide you have, the more alkaline you are. Uh, the more your blood vessels dilate, you feel warmer. Um, you, things things function better in general. Not that you want to you know live, you don't want to take on max you know more carbon dioxide than is healthy. But most of us are way below what the <clears throat> excuse me the optimal um, content would be in your blood for carbon dioxide for your ability to tolerate it, and that's your breathing um, stimulus. There, you need a massive reduction in oxygen before you will get a breathing stimulus, but just a slight increase in carbon dioxide will give you a breathing stimulus. So that's the reason that you breathe on a day-to-day -day basis. And the more you can tolerate it in your body, the, the longer you will stay, the more you can stay calm and the longer you can stay calm and stay in the, in the parasympathetic. So it's more of a long-term process where it, with the Wim Hof, process, we stimulate all that on a short-term basis. So there's, they're, they're complementary to each other. Actually, thinking to myself, they're more like supplementary not than complementary. But um, when you are able to stay in that rest and digest stage, which is where we should be 99% of the time or 95% of the time, um, your, your hormones and your, your blood flow are much more able to do their job. Uh, I think the thing to think about is when you're in a high stress state in general, you're in an, you're in acidosis, you're oxidative and you are 
you're in a state that should take everything else offline because you're preparing for something that should go wrong. So it takes your digestion offline because who cares about digesting if you're under attack? Forget it. Um, so, you know, it makes total sense that these things would work that way. So yes, the more you can train yourself and it is simply a matter of practice to be, to remember your breath. Uh, and it's more than focus. I, I, I call it attention really just it's attention to your breath because focus sounds like it's the one thing, but it's not the one thing. It's a thing. It's the, it's one of the things to pay attention to. So to be attentive to your breath, to be aware of it is a huge gift of this practice. And, and I will say this, the, the Wim Hof method was the first time that I really did become aware, except a, a quick anecdote. When my wife and I got married, uh, 18 years ago now, we went on our honeymoon. We went to a, a spa uh, in uh, Blowing Rock, North Carolina. And our, to this, um, the, the yoga instructor was a woman. She was probably in her 80s. And she was amazing. And she said, you know, it was the most unlikely thing in the world. I thought, well, okay, who's this you know, 80-year-old woman? What's she going to teach me? And <laughs> the answer was a lot. Um, she, the biggest takeaway was she said, you know, the most important thing you will ever learn is to breathe. And I thought, well, that's ridiculous. I'm breathing right now. How hard is this? This doesn't, this is not a challenge. This doesn't change anything. And it, it took 20 more years for that to bear fruit. So, you know, there's, but if to anyone else listening, if you can pick up on this sooner, you can make a big difference in your own life. You don't have to wait 20 years like me. Um, let me help you, you know, I'll, I'll pay the price and go make the change yourself sooner. So it's, it's, it's a huge, um, like I said, it's the control knob. It's the, it's the remote control for your nervous system. And if you can become aware of your breath, you can change it. If you're not aware of it, you can't change anything, just like anything else in your life. So, um, you know, my gift to people, so the way I break down my, if you do a workshop with me, it's really three parts. Um, there's, First part is get to know. Second part is in the flow. And the third part is let go. <laughs> it sounds kind of cheesy, but it works. So, you know, the get to know part is I make, we, we go through some exercises where you become aware of your breath and what you can do with it. Um, we do a simple breath hold and we show that you can hold your breath longer after the Wim Hof breath work than you can just on your own. Um, we, you know, you just become aware of your breath rate. You become aware of how you breathe. Where do you breathe from? Do you breathe just from your chest, from your shoulders? Where are you breathing right now? Um, and then, you know, we go through a round of, of the breathe, of the breath work. In the flow part is where it's your turn to go. You, you know, we do another round of the breath work. And this time you're managing it yourself after what I've shown you. And you're, you're following your own body's signals more than me coaching you. Um, and we talk through some of the physiology of how your body responds, of, of your circulatory system, your hormones, um, your neurological system, and so on. And then the let go part is when we get into the ice and you let go. <laughs> After all that training, you, you use it to let go. And you're in the ice and you're free. You've learned to control your response to an incredibly frightening stimulus 
and you're okay. And you're at the end, you're, 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 you're smiling. You're amazing. You know, typically, I mean, I think I put it in my bio, one of my, you know, the thing for me, the candy for me in all of this is the response from the folks that I work with where they're just, they're just saying, you know, I had no idea. I had no idea that I could do this. I had no idea that it would feel this way. And it just opens that whole world to them. So they, and really you do get there by letting go. So you let go of all your conditioning of your assumptions about what you can and can't do. And that makes you free. So, and we take them through that whole process in a couple hours. So, um, you know, it's, it's intense. Uh, it's, <laughs> I, I, it, it, it started with me more like a party trick than as a goal to improve people's lives. But uh, now I know that there's much, much more to it than that. And um, I'm, you know, I'm thankful that the party trick aspect of it caught my attention. But um, I'm also so thankful that it actually is such an amazingly deep practice. Uh, so, you know, if you're, there are some contraindications, of course, such as, you know, if you have seizure disorders or if you're pregnant, um, then this is not for you. So, you know, there's always, you have to pay attention to the state of, of each person. It's um, obviously a very popular practice for competitive people that love to challenge themselves. Uh, but there's another side to it, which is therapeutic. And I think there's a lot of uptake there too, for people that just, you know, like us, like me living your daily life, who just need a, a method for reaching their center again, to feel in control, just your day to day person. So it's, it has the challenge aspect and it has the therapeutic aspect. Um, so it's, for me, you know, it's rich in both of those. Um, so that's, <laughs> I think I went on for a bit there. Uh, I no, it was you. all good stuff though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I do want to pick your brain since you're going to become an oxygen advantage instructor. Yeah. And since uh, Wim Hof method helps you to utilize uh, oxygen better during activities. Mm. Um I'm curious about your opinion about um, uh, a couple different things. So like when I'm training for uh, big mountain climbing, I have a machine that provides about 97% oxygen and I can mm. train with that. I haven't done any breath work with it. And now I'm thinking maybe I should try some breath work to utilize that oxygen better. Mm. But um, also back in my old commercial diving slash scuba diving days, we would go into hyperbaric chambers and use 100% O2, mm -hmm. which at different atmospheric pressures, that 100% O2 could be equivalent to over 200% O2. Right. So do you think those methods um, also help the body to utilize oxygen better? Or do you think combining that with the breath work would be more more advantage mm. to a person in any kind of like training situation or even detoxing uh, free yeah. radicals out of the system or anything along those lines. Yeah. So the combination I'm not sure of, but I can tell you that. Um, so for, I'll go to Wim first. He's also led uh, expeditions up Kilimanjaro. Um, it's another one of his uh, exploits and it's in Scott Carney's book, what doesn't kill us uh, where they, they, 
um, climbed the mountain. They they didn't use any um, assistance, no no oxygen um, assistance. They did they trained beforehand uh, somewhat, but it was really the breathing that they did as they did the climb. And Wim's you know statement on this was his his, his realization was well if if there's less available oxygen breathe more <laughs> and so <laughs> it in it and it worked so they you know they, they were successful in that expedition and um for, for but for the high altitude training certainly the the work that we do with oxygen advantage has a specific high altitude training component it's it's hypoxic hypercapnic um training that simulates what you have with you know high altitude where you you uh induce the creation of more red blood cells by being hypoxic in a controlled situation and um with the hypercapnia able to uh tolerate more more carbon dioxide so you can actually take advantage of the Bohr effect and exchange the oxygen or the carbon dioxide for oxygen and get so you 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 create more taxi cabs and you create more things to go in, more passengers to go into those taxi cabs to get to your cells um, and deliver the energy. And so that's that's really a very fundamental piece of the work that the oxygen advantage people are doing. Um, and it comes out of a lot of the work, you know, the Buteco stuff from, you know, quite a while ago, actually. Um, combining with the hyperbaric, combining with the, uh, you know, the, the tanks and all that, I, I don't know, Brian. I wouldn't want to start speculating on that. That's I know that's a very specialized discipline. Um, like look at the free divers too. Um, the one thing that we absolutely say is, uh, you know, each breath type, breathing type, each situation has its own specialization. Free diving, I know the the breathing for that is completely different. Again, so um, and you know the Wim Hof method is is certainly not meant. There's strong uh, uh, warnings against practicing Wim Hof breathing with any kind of immersion at the same time or around the same time because you can black out. So there's, you know, there's risk. So, you know, we just always say you practice the breathing on land, away from water, on places where you cannot get hurt if you pass out. So, you know, cause you can pass out. Um, and, um, as far as training your body to manage with less oxygen, well, certainly the breath work that we do, it drives your oxygen levels for a moment, very low, very, very low, you know, way, way below 80%. Um, I mean, 50s, 60s for a moment. So that I'm sure has an acute stimulus. It doesn't, um, provide the same long-term stimulus that obviously doing continued hypoxic training would do. Uh, so it's, it's a different effect, but it certainly would induce some, some kind of, uh, response, but I don't, I don't know about combining it with the practices that you're talking about. And I, yeah, I, I just, I wouldn't, I'd be, be going into the territory that I don't have authority and to speculate on that. I think it's funny that you were talking about high altitude climbing and how if you're not getting enough oxygen, then just breathe more. Yes. And when you when you look at those those climbers on Everest, uh, once they get to a certain elevation, they can take five to ten breaths just to take one step. So yeah, <laughs> they, yeah, 
that's them trying to get more oxygen because there's not a whole lot up there. So yeah, at that point, have you done that? Have you uh, climbed with with oxygen? No, I have not okay. climbed above eight thousand meters. No. Okay. 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 Um, yeah. So nor have I. Um, I will tell you though, the hypoxic stuff I've been doing recently. I'm not up at eight thousand meters, but it certainly has an effect. You certainly feel it. It's uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty powerful feeling. Um, and I, I look forward to, you know, building up the adaptations as, as I go along, because uh, in the beginning, it's definitely an unfamiliar feeling. And I can see why, you know, when you get mountain sickness, you just have to get down off the mountain, right? There's no, right. like, there's not, nothing else you can do. Just go down the mountain. So uh, I'm glad to be doing it in controlled circumstances and not learning it on the mountainside. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that has to be tough. That has to be really tough. So you know, the, other, I, I, the other piece of this that I wanted to bring in also, um, that I, I call it the fourth pillar of the Wim Hof Method, as, as we explain the, the beauties of this practice, is the tribal aspect. And it's really, I have to say, in a lot of ways, the, the, the strongest, most enduring piece for me um, you build a community. Um, and when you do work together, it tends to, you know, whatever process you go through, it tends to bind people together. This work really does. When you are all circled around some ice bath or some cold, or if you're even, if you're lucky enough, it's a pond in the winter or a river in the winter and it's cold or it's glacial um, and you're with others and you're all supporting each other. And one of you, or maybe a couple of you are in that ice at that moment, and the rest of you are supporting. It's, uh, it's an amazing feeling. And when you emerge from all this, you've gone through something that is really exceptional, and you have a group that is with you, that stays with you. And I've certainly built that as an instructor. Uh, it's... Uh, of the instructors, there's a community of instructors that's absolutely amazing, but also just those who've been through the process with me. And it's a, it's a bond that is very powerful. And that bond allows you to do more things. I have seen, there's, there's, a, there's a, a, a cusp that seems to happen when people are doing Wim Hof work, that they're also, they're, they seem to be also often on the edge of other transformations. They want, they're, they're exploring something difficult and they're going to transfer it to other parts of their lives. So I've seen many people on the edge of starting a new business or changing, like maybe about to get married or perhaps even getting divorced, heading off in some other direction, some large decision in their lives. And this practice is a piece of that for them. So it, it, I tend to, when I'm working with folks, my eyes are open to what else they're bringing. There's often something else that they're carrying with them that's very important. And um, that transformative power of this work is, is huge. And I, it's absolutely happened with the instructors. Um, you know, the bios of the instructors are remarkable. They're remarkable people um, who have mostly stepped off the edge of the planet to try something new and have found that they, they took that big step and they were supported and it worked. And they, they, people responded and, it, um, and they found other disciplines that were equally, you know, that other parts of their lives opened up. 
So I just wanted to add that as uh, another important part of this practice is the, the tribal and transformative piece of this. It's, uh, I haven't seen anything quite like it. Um, CrossFit certainly comes you know, in, in that same zone, but uh, this work in some ways is even more intense. So uh, that to me is, is a huge piece of, of the uh, Wim Hof method also. Yeah, and having a tribe or a community around you is something that, you know, a lot of us crave and not many of us actually have. So to have people there supporting you, that's, it's definitely needed just for our psyche and everything else. So thank you for bringing that up. Yes. Well, I want to... I want to save a little bit of time at the end of this so that you can take us through a little bit of breath work. But I do have uh, one more question. And the question is, why cold exposure? Oh, right. You know, sure. we're hearing about it a lot. You know, you have athletes in ice baths. You have cryotherapy, which people are doing. Um, you hear about people taking showers and then they do kind of like shock therapy where they switch it to cold water for a couple minutes at the end of their shower. So what is so beneficial about exposure to um, cold? Yeah, so many things. Um, and I'll tell you in my, so in my presentation, I've had to pare down what was like, I don't know, six slides to a set of bullet points. Um, but the, the, yeah, the benefits are pretty profound. I'm, if, if nothing else, Certainly, medicine has understood for you know almost a century now the anti-inflammatory uh, characteristics of cold. When you go to a shock trauma center, if you have had you know a heart attack or heart, I guess a cardiac arrest, something that has that you know basically has killed you, they'll put you into um, uh, hypothermia. They'll drop your body temperature down into the 30s really quickly to save your cells. So. They medicine has understood for ages the anti-inflammatory and um, therapeutic side of cold. It you know it just quick punch list. It trains thermogenesis, which means it trains your body to produce its own heat. Your body can do this. It has something. Your mitochondria will produce. Um, well, your, I should say your cells will produce more mitochondria over time, and that becomes what this called what's called brown fat, which apparently um, burns other fat to create heat. So a baby can't shiver. How does it keep warm if it's in the cold? It, it doesn't have the, the muscles don't have that control to, or the ability to shiver. They burn. They use this brown fat to uh, create their own heat. And adults can do it too. So it, it brings that back. Um, it, it increases your, your norepinephrine. It, uh, it, which is mood and vigilance, focus, attention. It increases that. Um, cold, cold shock proteins are, are brought online, which can repairs da- you know, damage in your synapses and prevents atrophy. Um, it, the, there's an, an immune benefit um, from the cold shock proteins also. It increases your met- metabolic rate, uh, which is typically something, you know, for short-term healthy. Uh, it gives your body, I think one of the other things is it gives your bodies the muscles, the, the smooth muscles around the 60,000 miles of uh, veins or, or circulatory system, I should say, in your body are given something to do, which they don't usually do, which is to contract quickly. Um, usually, the, you know, what's pumping your blood is your heart. And if your muscles are moving, you'll be, you know, that, that helps move things. But there's no other stimulus 
that gives all of your your uh, circulatory system a signal at once to go to like you know contract and that is again you know function if you don't use it you lose it right so that is a, a it's training for your circulatory system and overall it's an anti-inflammatory uh therapy so all of those i think are benefits of, of cold um yeah so that there's just a lot there's there's an amazing number of, of benefits and learning to control yourself in the cold by itself is a, a benefit also so you know the difference is people do polar plunges you've we've all seen those right you jump in the water you scream right. you scream and you get back out right that's fun but <laughs> this is like the opposite of that you jump in the cold you don't scream <laughs> and you don't jump back out you stay there uh so you know you get a different you get a different benefit from it um you calm yourself and you get all these anti-inflammatory benefits so that's that's really I think a lot of it, you learn not to shiver. That's another. Awesome. Fun yeah. 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 Well, well, thank you for sharing that. And then is there any final uh, pieces that you want to touch on with the Wim Hof method before we go into some of the breath work? Mm. Well, the last thing is just simply the notion of play. So that play, your ability to play is your primary indicator of health. All of this work that we do is it's playful, even though it sounds really serious where you're there because you want to be there and bring your imagination, bring your sense of play. It doesn't mean be foolish, but the more that you can control what you do, the healthier you are. And that is play. Play is deciding when you are in sympathetic. It's deciding when you're in parasympathetic. If you look at sports, it's a, it's really, if you look at the polyvagal curve, you're, you're oscillating between those two states, between the, you know, the, the attack and the calm. You don't go out and actually, you know, when you're, when you're playing a sport, you don't take it to the, to the uh, ultimate end, usually, uh, of hurting somebody. You back off. You, you, you know, push yourself to some limit, but you back off and you enjoy it. You're laughing, you're happy afterwards, unless the game sucked you know, not, might not be happy at the moment, but you know, typically it's, it's, there's some, you're in it for something kind of enjoyment. So that's play. And this expands your ability to do that. To me, again, a great gift to anybody, especially if we're in the, you're in a very conscripted, um, circumscribed rather world of, uh, you know, your, your, your life doesn't have a lot of flexibility and fun in it. This gives you, a greater sense of that fun. So that, again, I, I, I take a more expansive view of the purpose of the work that we do. Um, and yeah, that's, that would be my other piece to this, Brian. And yeah, let's get into the breathing, man. Let's do it. So awesome. Yeah. yeah. Walk us through it. Okay. So I'm going to take you through one round of this and, um, you know, typically it'll be like three rounds, but we're going to do one and I'll just coach you um, so what we'll be doing, it's, it's of 30 breaths approximately, um, and you don't need to count. Um, and there, the breath is fully in and we'll go through the nose. We're going to actually, the sequence is belly, chest, head. That's the way the breath will come in. So when you're breathing in, it's, and it's, of course, no one can see me doing it, but that's what it sounds like. And then out through the mouth and they're just, it's fully in. 
let it out. And we're going to do that about 30 times. And you might feel tingly. You might feel uh, other sensations, other emotions as you're doing this. You might feel a little bit dizzy. So, you know, and I'll, I'll make sure you're in the right position before we start. And then I will cue you at the end uh, on the last breath. It'll, I'll say fully in, let it out, hold. And on the hold, you just hold. It'll be kind of quiet for our, <laughs> for our listeners for a moment, but you'll be holding your breath on the exhale. And um, then you just wait until you feel the urge to breathe. And when you do, you breathe in and you hold that for about 15 seconds. So I'll, like I said, I'll cue you through all this. Um, and so the first thing, the most important thing, Brian, is make sure that you are physically in a place where you cannot fall down. So you can be sitting on the floor, laying on the floor. I, I prefer to be like on a yoga mat on my back um, with my knees up a little bit, which kind of gives your um, abdomen, your, your breathing muscle cavity uh, it aligns it more with your pelvic floor so your diaphragm aligns with your pelvic floor if you have your knees up a bit um so let me know when you're in the right position i am awesome all right so we will begin so through the nose again belly chest head fully in and let it out and we're going to keep going fully in and let it out keep going fully in through the nose, let it out. Fully in, let it out. Keep going, Brian. Big breath. Fully in, let it out through the nose. Belly, chest, head, let it out. Like a freight train. Fully in, let it out. Keep going. Fully in, let it out. You're getting lots of air in now. Fully in, let it out. Like a balloon. Fully in, let it out, keep going. Fully in, let it out. Fully in, let it out, expand your ribs. Fully in, let it out. Keep going, fully in, let it out. Get all that air, fully in, let it out. Like a train. Get all that energy. Keep going. Deep breaths. Fully in. Jelly, chest, belly. Yeah. Sorry, belly, chest, head. Let it out. Belly, chest, head. Keep going. It's kind of like we're going for five more. Four more. Three more. Two more. One more. Okay, last one. Full in. Let it out and hold. You do not need to breathe. Your body is fully oxygenated. 
Just enjoy the buzz. Try to relax around your mouth, relax around your eyes. And just go deeper into wherever you are. Stay with the feeling. When you do feel the need to breathe, just do so. And inhale and hold for about 15 seconds. And now you might see some lights. You might feel really buzzy. And after 15 seconds on the inhale, just go back to normal breathing. And just let me know when you're back. Wow, that that felt great. I have to say, my nose my nose is a lot more clear. Like I can breathe awesome. easier. And then I also noticed about halfway through, my diaphragm was getting tired. Yeah. I wasn't able to inhale as much as I could before. Yeah, sure, absolutely. It's you're not used to doing it. I mean, it's a, that's nope, a bit. That's a big not. muscle. That's a very big muscle, and uh, you just gave it a lot of work. So that's not surprising. Um, it's actually, interestingly, it's one of the four muscles in your body that, or organs rather, that get like all the attention if you're in, uh, you know, when you go into saving your when you're body goes into shock, the things that it, it uh, prioritizes, your diaphragm is one of those, including heart and lungs, but diaphragm is also one of those because it's, uh, it's so important and it's big. So uh, yeah, not surprising, Brian. That's very cool though. It's uh, yeah, I, you know, even while you were doing that, I, was, I did a little bit of a breath hold too. It's, it's like candy. It just feels good. So, you know, any chance I have to do that, I do the same thing. Um, yeah, thank, thank you so much for sharing that. That was great. Yeah. Had you done that before? Had you ever gone through that practice before? I've done pranayama. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've done different like box breathing and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, but, um, not that particular way of breathing. Okay. So how did it feel different from what you've experienced? Um, I like how you were emphasizing going from your belly to the chest to the head. Then I can feel like 
the air as it's coming through everything working from the bottom up to make it happen. Um, so I really enjoyed that. And that gave me something to focus on while I was uh, sitting I think there I said too. I Chelly best head once too, but that's just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's to see if people are paying yeah, attention a, or if they're meditating. There's a quiz at the end, right? <laughs> yep. Oh, that's, no, that's, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. And actually, so you'll find too that on that inhale hold, um, when you're finally taking in air is you'll, as you do this more, that's a time when you really get some fantastic, uh, sensations, really, um, trippy stuff sometimes that, so the, 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 in, the exhale hold is great. It's so to me, it's peaceful and it's quiet. And if I feel like I can feel my own thoughts, but then when you do the inhale, all this electricity just blows up inside my head and it feels like crackling and f- fireworks and sort of like, uh, you know, f- like bubbling water coming to the surface going like that. Um, so they're both, they're both great. They're both great sensations. Um, and yeah, and that's just the beginning, man. That's just the beginning. Then, then we still have to, you know, you do more of this. And then uh, we, there's also actually a physical other part where we there's you know you can involve stretching and sort of yogic practices too but all of this leads to us getting in the ice so this is preparation and the the other thing i want to mention is the work that you just did actually makes it so you don't feel pain as much you will still feel the cold but the scent that your receptors the things that that feel pain and cold at the normal ph they are the same receptors but at the ph we just changed your body to they become two separate things and it's it's a monomer and a trimer and it's so um it because the the part that senses cold um stays but the part that feels pain goes offline so you not completely but more and more as you train and so you feel less pain in that situation so it allows you to stay in the cold longer so it gives you your own benefit, even if you don't do the cold, but it sets you up so that when you get in the cold, you're more able to manage it. So, you know, that's, that is the brilliance of this, of this method. And you know, my hat's off to Wim for uh, figuring it all out on his own. Um, it should be noted that he, you know, all this work he did, we, he, you know, certainly went and traveled uh, and did a lot of esoteric studies as he'll say himself lots and tons and tons of it but he he put it all together you know his his insights and his own feelings that led him to figure it out um another one of his sayings is feeling is believing and you know that's that's where you start you start with what you feel then you will figure the rest of it out but go with what it, you know with what feels right and um he certainly did that so huge credit to him for staying true to his nature all the way through Um, an an amazing human being. Awesome, Bob. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing the Wim Hof Hof method with all of us. Uh, People can find you at breatheyourpower.com. You're also on some social media platforms. What are those? Uh, On Instagram, also uh, breathe.your.power. And, um, I mean, I'm on Facebook as myself, actually, uh, I don't have another presence on there, uh, at the moment. 
so really it's my website and, and Instagram. That's where I'm doing most of my work these days. So yeah, just those two. And coming up in the next couple of weeks, you will be releasing a podcast to dive a little bit deeper into uh, some of this breathing stuff. And that is called the Breathe Your Power podcast. So once that is up and running, we'll have that in the show notes um, so people can find you. And that will be at summitforwellness.com slash 62. Do you want to talk a little bit more about um, uh, the Breather Power podcast and let us know what to expect from that show? Yeah, you just made me realize how busy I've been. Wow. I, <laughs> I kind of forgot about it. Like, yeah, of course, the podcast. Wow. Um, so Trisha Class, who is a colleague of yours in the nutritional therapy world, um, and I got together and decided that this is something we needed to do. We All these topics that are so interesting to us and have changed our lives, we needed to bring to others. And we began about, I don't know, back in June, I think, uh, with recording with um creating podcasts and we are yeah we're going forward uh hopefully we're going to release our first ones in a couple weeks our our great challenge is simply post-production we want to get much faster at this and much better at it Uh, but we've really had some great guests from the world of energy work uh from nutrition um the the world of course uh, body body work also um the convergence of our current lifestyle and um, our, our and the way we want to live. So our our tagline for this is helping people breathe through the second phase of life. We don't say what the third phase is, or even if there is one. We just it's it's for people that have again. You might have you know family and kids and houses and cars and all that other stuff, and you're just you're looking to expand how you live and live better and breathe better in this, in this world that we're in. So we're, we're offering that to our audience and we're very excited to bring it forward. We, we have learned a ton uh, and I think we'll help others open doors. So thank you for that mention, Brian. It's, it's really been, it's been a really huge adventure. I have to say it's way out of my comfort zone and I've loved it. I've just forced myself to do it and it's, it's actually been super healthy for me. So enjoying it a lot. Awesome, Bob. Well, we will definitely tell more people about your podcast when it is released and people once again can find links to all of uh, your your website and your podcast at summitforwellness.com slash 62. Thanks so much, Bob. It was great chatting with you. And I hope people realize not to do the breath work while driving. Right. Um, and so if you are driving, then go ahead and um, when you get home, just go back a little ways and go through the breath work when you actually get a chance to put more focus into it. So thanks, Bob, so much. Thank you so much, Brian. Well, there you have it, folks. I hope you were able to take the opportunity to find somewhere comfortable and relaxing and work through the breath work that Bob shared with us in a safe space. And I would love to hear your feedback. What did you feel from going through just one round of the Wim Hof method? Uh, Did you notice any changes in the way you were breathing? Did you notice, like I did, that your diaphragm was getting tired or maybe other muscles in your chest or abdomen region were getting tired? Um, So I would love to hear it. Go to our website, summitforwellness.com slash 62, and leave a comment right there. Uh, And just tell everyone how it went. 
I'm also really curious to see what the Wim Hof method or any kind of breathing method would be like when I am attached to my oxygen machine while I'm training for any kind of big climbs. So I will have to test that out and uh, see if I notice any changes, which I'm assuming there will be some changes that I will notice because you know, with 97% oxygen plus these breathing tactics, it should flush the system pretty well of oxygen. So at some point, I'll have to report back and let you all know uh, what I noticed from that. Okay, if you liked this episode, then shoot on over to iTunes to leave us a quick rating and review. Those ratings and reviews do make a difference in getting our show out in front of more people. So if you go to summitforwellness.com iTunes, it's super quick and simple to leave that rating and review. Keep climbing to the peak of your health, and we will see you next week.